I guess I'm supposed to speak since I don't have any energy. You guys get to sit down, I have to stand up, right? <laughs> well, it's, it truly is a joy to be here. And uh, we thank you so much for your love and kindness and prayers on our behalf. As uh, my wife and I live in Peterborough, Ontario, and uh, she actually right now is in the Midwest in Kansas where we grew up as kids and she's with her sisters. So we're hoping that will be a great time. They all love to quilt. So we're hoping it won't be a real expensive time. But anyway, uh, we're, it's a, I'm really glad she could go spend time with her sisters as, as such an important just to be able to connect. And it is a joy to be with you. I, I just love uh, seeing, I, I really do love the energy and I love all the kids running around, even the, the drum player. He was doing great. So anyway, we just thank the Lord. Uh, it's a joy, it's a joy to see uh, so many here. And uh, we just need to ask the Lord to help us because obviously he's the only one that can make anything of significance, of eternal significance happen and to be accomplished. So let's just ask him. God, we just, we come into your presence in your son by your spirit. We thank you. We thank you for each one here today. The littlest ones to some of us older ones. But we, we thank you most of all that we can come because of the Lord Jesus is the center point. Uh, it's all about him. And so we just ask that we will honor him and in his strength and power by the Spirit, we will just say what you once said and that it would be consistent with your will and your word and it would touch our hearts. We're all in different ages and stages and only you can make application of biblical truth into our lives. We just pray that will be reality in the case this morning. So we, we entrust our time to you. In Jesus' amazing name, amen. I, I've spoken on this subject in the past, but I think it's so relevant in our, our time. Um, there was a, a submarine years and years ago. It was, a, it was an old small submarine off the coast of Massachusetts. And I'm not sure really what happened. I think there might have been a, it hit a ship. But anyway, whatever happened, it was tragic because it, it quickly sank off the shore. And uh, I'm not sure if the, if those in that ship, in that submarine knew, but it was their prison cell to their death. But there was, uh, the ships kind of circled on the top of the water and uh, a diver went down. And he, and he put his head to, to the, the submarine and he heard, he heard a knocking. And he realized in a moment it was Morse code. And the code was, the question was, is there any hope? And I think there's a lot of people in our culture when they, they're knocking the same thing. Is there any hope? 
for many, many people, there's, there's no hope. They have not looked in the right place. I want to go to a passage, and we're going to go to a variety of passages. But this one is in Ephesians 2, 12. And the Lord tells us the truth, but it does take our breath away. Especially if you find yourself in the latter category. Verse 12, Ephesians 2. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Now, obviously, I don't know where you're at. But there's a lot of people in this old world that are exactly there, separate. Have no relationship, don't know him, have never trusted him, separate. Now, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, it's relating to the Jewish people, obviously, and then strangers to the covenants of promise. And then this applies to everyone who lands on this planet, born into this world. When we're separate from Christ, we have no hope, having no hope. Why? And without God in the world. Oh, that's, that's a scary thing, isn't it? You know, people are looking everywhere, right? Is, is there a light? Is, is, there, is there a ray of hope here? Maybe, maybe you're in that zone. Maybe you have family members that are in this zone. You know, for whatever reason, they've stiff-armed the Lord. They're separate from God. And there's no hope. It's a scary thing, isn't it? It was uh, years back, there was... A psychology student and uh, he was I imagine he was in his fourth year because he had done his studies and then he they were doing some looking around and, and trying to understand some of the things that people suffer from and so they went to an institution where people had been placed because of their psychological breakdowns and conditions and uh, he he looked in this room where there was a man and then somebody told him the backdrop of the story. The individual had a disease, terrible disease, and at that point in time there was no way to treat the disease and uh, he was deteriorating in his, his mind. He, he went to the doctor and he just pleaded for some ray of light. Some, is there any hope here? The doctor was very honest with him, and he said, the decay in your brain is gonna progress, and shortly, you will die. Whoa. When the student came to that facility and he looked in the room where this man was about two weeks before he died. And as the student looked in, he could see the, the man with glazed eyes just walking back and forth. And he could hear him mumble in his breath, no hope, no hope, no hope. How tragic. 
But you know what? There's a lot of people that are not in that situation that that's really the reality. Now, there's also people who have false hope. I remember um, just recently, I think it was last week, I saw this exceedingly wealthy man. I mean, over the top. <laughs> right, just way over the top economically so rich, filthy, we'd say filthy rich in the old days, right? But he died. If he didn't have Christ, he separated from God, and it doesn't matter how much money you have. But think of all the people, think of all the people that just think, if I could just make more money, everything would turn out great. Now there's a passage, and I want you to go to this. This is a, uh, when we think of false hope, this is a passage that deals with, and this can even plug into Christian people, because it's written to Christians, but it applies to everybody. Ephesians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. That's not a put down, but if, you, if, if God's given you stuff, that's, thank the Lord, right? But if you're rich in the present world, don't be conceited, don't get a big head, or... Don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Rich, just like that guy that was filthy rich, you don't have any hope if you don't have the Lord. What is said, solutions that leave God out of may have temporary relief. You know, you, you can enjoy, have fun for a while, right? May have temporary relief, but they can never satisfy, ultimately, they provide only a false hope because they failed us. There was a, you know, you can, you can have false hope not only in money, all kinds of things you can put your hope in. Sometimes it's in faulty religious ideas. Uh, there's a lady, and uh, I, I've never met her personally, but she's called me some. And uh, I, know, I know she's from a cult, and so she's very pleasant, and we, we kind of converse, and I listen and converse and talk back and forth, and I know she's trying to swoop me in <laughs> to her, her religion, right? And I, you know, the last couple of times, the last two times, I've shared more and more of the gospel with her. Well, she hasn't called for quite some time, <laughs> but... Her hope is in her faulty, cultic ideas. And there's a lot of people, you know, you may not be in a cult, but you can have religious ideas or ideas about something out there somewhere, and you've you got your hope in that thing. And if it's not consistent with God and his word, you're in big trouble. All of us would be in big trouble. So, you know, we can have, we can put our hope in, in riches or in religious things that are out of whack from God's perspective. You know, where are you at? Do you have real, genuine hope? You know, thinking about what we, where we put our hope even until death, there was a story told, and a uh, true story, it happened in Cripple Creek, Colorado. And when my wife and I grew up, we were in Kansas, 
and uh, Colorado is right on the border. And so my, my parents, when I was just a little kid, we used to go to Colorado to take vacations because Kansas is always hot. Colorado, if you get in the mountains, it's cool, right? That's a great place to be in the mountains. And so we would go out there. And one time, I remember going to Cripple Creek. Now, Cripple Creek, Colorado, at one point in time was a mining community. And there was a ton of money that was, came, out of, came out of those mines. But Mr. Tabor was one of the first miners there. And he dug, and he got filthy rich. Well, what do you do when you get filthy rich? I guess he thought you dump your wife and you marry Cutesy. Well, Cutesy was Baby Doe. That was her name. And she apparently was beautiful. And uh, so she married him. Even, apparently, even the president of the United States was invited to the wedding. That's how rich this guy was and how important he was. And so he married Baby Doe, and she was, she was cute and, you know, everything that cuteness would be. And so they got married. But... Wasn't that long after they were married, somehow he lost all his money. I don't know if he invested in something crazy or what, but he lost everything. But he still had the mind. He said, and then he started, his health started declining. And as he was laying on his deathbed, he said to Baby Doe, he said, whatever you do, don't give up on the mind. Here he's laying on his deathbed, and he says, whatever you do, don't give up on the mind, baby. So baby Doe, and then he died, and baby Doe had the mind, and she heeded his words. For 36 years, she stayed right at that mine. Where she lived turned into a dilapidated old shack. But she wasn't budging because he said, don't give up hope on that mine. Well, baby Doe stayed in, the, in that place to the very, very end. And she died without a penny. You see, putting our hope in the wrong place can be total disaster. Now, let's talk about real hope because that's where we want to go, right? You don't want to leave, well, I'm depressed, let's go home, right? Okay. Let's talk about real hope. What is real hope? Is, is, it, uh, is it like, I hope the weather cools down? <laughs> you know, like hope so kind of hope? Biblical hope that we're talking about is confident expectation. Confident expectation that something great, God's got something great ahead for his own. It's, and it's confident because God promised it. So you can be confident that it's going to come true. It's not, well, I just hope, I just hope it, the day turns out better. It's not like that. It's confident expectation that God's got something great for his kids. If you're one of his kids, there's something awesome coming. But the problem is, expectation involves waiting. <laughs> Don't you just hate to wait? You know, you're a little kid, and your mom says, wait, you can't have a cookie right now. Wait. You think I'm going to die, right? God says, Wait. I got something better than cookies, something awesome ahead, but confident expectation that that God will, he's promised wonderful things, and he's going to keep his promises to his kids. And that is so wonderful to us, and we need, in the midst of a mess, and the world, obviously, you don't have to look at the news very long, you don't have to look on your phone very long to be depressed, right? 
you think, oh man, everything's falling apart. And it is in so many ways. You know, I feel so bad for the Malibu people who lost everything, right? Now, but we have that conf we can have, we can have that confident expectation. It's a wonderful possibility. And that's what we want to talk about as we spend these moments together. Okay. One has, one has said this. Hope is a wonderful gift from God, a source of strength and courage in the face of life's hardest trials. When we are trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope points the light at the end. When we are overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we are discouraged, hope lifts our spirits. When we are tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. Now, obviously, we're all tempted to quit sometimes, right? <laughs> I remember uh, when in, in college, we were in a PE class, and this guy was going to get us all in shape for the NFL, right? He was the coach, and he was, man, he was, and all we were a bunch of, <laughs> just a bunch of groups. We were not going anywhere, right? But he had us on the tracks, and he had us running around, and we had to go so many minutes going around. And you're thinking, you know, it might be better to die than to finish this thing, right? You, you're thinking, I don't think I can get to the end. Sometimes that's the way we feel. I don't think I can make this. I don't think I can get to, I don't think I can get to the end. And God says, God says, I got something great ahead for you. Stay in the race. It's not easy. You know, and let's, let's be really honest. Life is not easy. You know, you say, when you become a Christian, you know, some people think, oh, I signed up, and now it's going to be an easy glide. It's just going to be fun all the rest of the way, right? Not so. Why? We're in a broken world. It's a sinful world. And Christians have hard times. Christians have lousy bosses. They, they lose their job. They get health issues. You know, you can see this. I, I brought this just because I like it, right? You think Christians have struggles very similar to non-believers. But we have something ahead of us that is awesome and gives us reason to keep on keeping on. Expectation of our wonderful hope. Expectation that God's got something wonderful for us. Now, our expectation, our hope, has to be centered in the Lord. Now, I'm going to read in Psalm 39, verse 7. And if you just, if you want to turn there, again, I know I'm kind of all over the map on this. But Psalm 39, verse 7 says this. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Now again, if, if we put our hope in the wrong stuff, we're going to be a bit badly disappointed. You know, you think of, you think of the athlete who's a superstar and, and he's able to accomplish great things. Maybe he's, you know, he's, he's an amazing passer or he can run through the lines. He, and he is amazing in his skills. And he's planning, he's going to be the star of the NFL, and he's, going to be, he's planning that, and he has the capacity for it, except, except when he just got hit, when they busted through the line, they broke a major portion of his back. He's not ever going to play again. We need a hope that's bigger 
That's better. That's certain. Now, and it's found in the Lord. It's found in the Lord. And for those who are believers, and we'll talk more about this, it ultimately centers in on the Lord Jesus himself. Now, I'm going to read this part. This is the intro to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We walk right in the front door of 1 Timothy, and it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, who is our what? Our hope. Our hope. The Lord Jesus, God's Son, our, he is the center point for our hope. It's such a wonderful thing to have this, to know him as our Savior, to know him as our hope. Now, how do, how do, we, how do we get this hope to us? You, you've, seen, you've seen these pictures, and I'm sure, you know, they'll have a mountain climber, right? And he's, he's one of these dudes. I mean, he's strong, he's skilled, and he's, and he's by himself at this point. And, he, and you've probably seen it where he's climbing up this steep, steep cliff. I mean, it's huge. And for most of us, like, this is absolutely insane. But he's able to go up this thing, and he's going up, and something goes wrong. And he gets stuck on a cliff. I mean, he is between heaven and earth, and he's between life and death, <laughs> right? How do, you, how do you get the hope to him? How, well, hopefully, he's got some friend up there or somebody sees it, and they lower a rope to him where he can grab on. How do, what is God's rope that gets us the hope? Well, God's rope is God's word. Because you know what? We're not going to know about God's promises apart from God's book. You're not going to know. Why do a lot of Christians going through, going through life, they're struggling all the journey, they're so frustrated, they're depressed, they're anxious, they're angry, they're upset with everything, and they haven't read the book. They don't know the promises. They don't know God's got something great ahead for them. And the sad thing is they're missing out. They've got stuff awesome ahead, but they don't know it. And we need, we need the, the rope of hope. God's word, being the word, that's, that's one of the things not only to learn of our hope, but to keep focused on our hope. Staying in the word, staying with the Lord, spending time with God. Now, the basis of hope, and I think this is, this is important for us, uh, really, we sing about this, but we need to believe this. The basis of hope is that God loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God's love. I want, to, I want you to look at a, a passage here. Um, let's, go, let's go to Lamentations chapter 3. I know you probably haven't been there for a while. <laughs> it kind of gets lost in the Old Testament, right? And it's also a kind of depressing book. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Now, let me just say this. You think you have a bad... This book was written when things were at the worst, right at the bottom of the bucket. Lamentations were written, Jeremiah, the Babylonians had taken over Jerusalem. It wasn't just like, like Malibu where, they, you know, where the fires burned it, but the Babylonians burned out Jerusalem and then they took prisoners to Babylon 
I mean, can you imagine? I, you know, I read a lot about the persecuted church, and my heart breaks. And, and many of you are from Nigeria, my heart breaks when I see the kidnapped victims taken out of Nigeria. And, and so Jeremiah saw some of this happening. That family members, friends, children, kidnapped. And so the, the city was burned. People were kidnapped, taken into captivity. This is a terrible, terrible time. And Jeremiah struggles, just like we would struggle. And he says this, verse 21. This I recall to my mind. i got to remind myself. This I recall. Therefore, I have what? I have hope. Hope? you got to be kidding me. Hope in the midst of this disaster? I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. The thought of my suffering, and he was suffering, and homelessness out of a home is bitter beyond words. Okay? Bitter. I can't even express it. It's so bad. I will never forget this awful time. Did you have a time in your life that was so terrible you just, it's stuck in your memory, right? I never, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. And I love this part of the translation. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The faithful love of the Lord. The, it's, it's the word, has, it's, it's a word for mercy, sometimes translated. It can be translated loving kindness. But I love the translation, unfailing love. Love that will never let you down. Love that will never dump you. Love that will never let you go. God, why, did, why did Jeremiah have hope in the midst of the craziness and the disaster and the heartbreak? Remember, he was grieving. And if you've lost a loved one, you know what it's like to hurt. And it doesn't end. It just keeps on going. But Jeremiah said, I'll not forget this. God's unfailing love. When we remember that God loves us, even in the midst of the heartbreak, even in the midst of the worst times, even in the midst of this broken, crazy world, God loves me. God loves you. You know, I, I had the privilege of being raised by two Christian parents. And, you know, one thing I knew, they weren't perfect, but they, I so thank the Lord for them. They loved us. And mom and dad loved each other. That was just awesome. The more I, I'm so thankful for that. But you know what? It's a lot bigger deal. <laughs> God loves me. God loves you. Now, one of the wonderful ways that we know that is through his demonstration to us. And I'm going to just elaborate this a little bit. Some of these verses actually were read. We read this earlier in our earlier meeting, Romans 5.8. You probably have it memorized, but God demonstrates, he shows, he proves his own love toward us. Romans 5.8. He proves his love toward us. And that while we were yet stinking sinners, that's an insertion, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how we know God loves us. Christ, his son, he sent his son. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these little, this precious little drummer boy, right? Can you imagine 
a father giving up his son for somebody else who was just a sinner, who didn't even care about him. God loved us so much. He loved you so much. He gave his own son to die in your place. Isn't that amazing? That shows what love is, what God's love looks like. And so when we say that, God, you love me that like that? How do I know? You sent your son to die in my place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's another verse that uh, just fits with that. This is way in the back, 1 John 4.10. And this is love. This is love. Not that we love God. Not that, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're really spiritual, right? Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We don't use that word very much, propitiation. It kind of sounds mucky, right? But he sacrificed in our place to satisfy his wrath. God's holy, we're not. And propitiation, Christ in his death satisfied his holiness so he could save us. Because Christ paid the price. But that's because of God's love. That's how much God loves you, how much he loves us. You know, I just, you know, I, I, hope, you know, I hope you know the gospel, but be, be, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about two, two factors of the gospel that are absolutely critical. Obviously, God the Son, he had, he's the only one that could pay the price. He died for our sins, paid for your sins. Now, think of all the stuff you've done. You never told anybody. Think of all the stuff. Attitudes, actions, broken relationships. Just, just think. God so loved us, he gave his son to pay for our sin. And then, the awesome part, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. That means he beat sin. He beat. He won. He won. He can save you. Now, of course, you have to trust him or you're not saved. But he has all the provision to save us because he loves us. And that brings us to God. There's the second component of that we want to talk about why we can have hope is because God loves us and God has the power to pull this thing off. And that we see that power ultimately demonstrated in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He's risen. He's the winner. He's the victor. I think this is, this is a passage, and I'll just, I'll just read it to you, but this is in... Um, in Acts 2, and it talks about they nailed the Lord Jesus, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed, talking about these godless dudes, you nailed to a cross, you nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But, but, God raised him up. Again, putting it into the agony of death since it is impossible for him to be held in its power. Isn't that awesome? God's one. Christ is one. He died for the sins. He rose. He is the reason we can have hope. His love, he cares about us. You know, now, I'm a father. I have, we have two sons, and, and they're grown. One of, you mentioned this morning, you know one of them, and maybe knew both of them. They, now they're grown, and they got their own kids and all that. And now we have grandkids. And I've noticed several of you have grandkids. And so you, you need to do aerobics to keep up with them. I see that. But anyway, you love your grandkids. I just, I just love them, right? And, and three of them live right in our community. So uh, they can come and give me a hug. And, and one, she, she wrote, she's always right, and she's got a real generous heart. And she'll say, I love you, Papa. I, I saved that one, right? And I've got several on my wall, right? I love you, Papa. Well, I love her too, right? But... 
I, I can't control everything in her life. I can't keep her safe every moment. I can't be with her all the time. I love her, but I don't have all the power. But God loves us, and he has all the power. He can keep us. He can deliver us. What a wonderful God. And we see that in the Lord Jesus, and we certainly hope each one here has put their trust in him. Now, we can be a people of hope. And we think about what, when we walk out of here, I don't know what, you, what you're walking into, what life looks like today, tomorrow, next week. You know, we, we, I'm, I'm getting in the golden, I'm in, I'm in the golden years. I'm looking for the money, but it's not, I haven't found it yet, right? You know, so I, I'm now, I was talking to one of these young guys that's way too big. I talk, you know, he's up here and I'm shrinking, right? So I'm going the wrong direction, but, but I have an ultimate hope. I have an ultimate, because Jesus is my Savior. We have hope. We have, if you've trusted Christ and, and get this, burn this into your brain. You have hope. Now, you have to go to the Word consistently because you need to be reminded of those promises so that when life is really rough, when things are not working, when it's not easy, your heart is broken, you're sad, you've lost a loved one, whatever it is, stay focused. And we'll talk more about that next week. Stay focused on your hope because you have it. If you've trusted Christ, now, if you've never trusted Christ, He is the only Savior available. Now, there's lots of promises, lots of lies, but Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, right? And if you trust in him, you not only have life, you have hope. We are a people. If we've trusted Christ, we walk out that door a people of hope. We can cope if we have genuine hope, whatever comes down the road. Let's just pray. God, I don't know where everybody's at, that's for sure, but you do. We have, we have some who are older and some who are very young, and we are sure there are some who have never trusted the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. He has done everything to save them. He died for them. He is risen. He is the winner. And Father, I pray for anyone here who is separate from God without hope. They will not leave without hope. They will leave with a Savior, and they'll leave with that hope that will never cease, that will never cease. Father, we thank you that in Christ we have hope, and no matter what we have to face, we can cope. We pray for this, for each one, each one. In Jesus' amazing, wonderful name, amen.